Hey, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of It's Personal. On this episode, we have D. Fogarty, diverse books and literature expert, culturally responsive educator, co-founder of Wham Bam Book Bundle Subscription Services. On this episode, we talk about books. It's about to get personal. 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 Just got personal. Gary and I just got personal. It's personal. My name is Derek Bourne. My name is Cornelius Meyer. My name is Bell Brown. This is Nick Stone. Hi, I'm Donald Miller. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is Gary, and we are back with another episode of It's Personal. I am very excited about our guest. If you look at her Instagram page... She has all of the things that I am actually really, really interested in. She is an educator who tries to be culturally responsive. She's a literacy coach, and she has an enormous amount of books that show diversity and inclusion, like all of these things that I am so into. So I am excited to talk to our guest today. Tell everyone who you are. Um, my name is Deidre Fogarty, and... I am an educator. I've been an educator for the past 13 years now, um, based here in Washington, D.C. I am a book lover, as you can tell from my page. I'm obsessed with books. I'm obsessed with literacy. Um, and I also i am very passionate about just education in general and supporting educators um, in any way that I can. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm super excited because um, just earlier, Dee mentioned that this was one of her first podcasts, so I feel yes, very thankful. Is. Very, very <laughs> thankful. <laughs> I feel yes, very thankful. Is. Very, very <laughs> thankful. <laughs> As a hip-hop fan who's someone who grew up listening to um, to R&B, to funk, to soul, to rap, Tupac or or, or Biggie? If see, that, that's such a hard I know. <laughs> it really is. I mean, I feel like when I was a... Teen. I remember that was around the time where there was the East versus West sure. battle and I was just like so into it and being that I'm from up north, I'm from Connecticut, like I will always, Biggie is always just like in my heart, but there was always something about Tupac that I also loved. He was kind of like a bad boy uh -huh. um, and he just, he just had a little edge about him that sure. I really, really liked. Mm -hmm. um, from seeing him in Poetic Justice and mm -hmm. in the movies and things like that. So it's a tie for me. Good like, for I, you. I Good for you. Movie. And I, I won't challenge that either. I've given a few people a hard time about giving ties. <laughs> but I totally agree. And I think Tupac has had this kind of influence, specifically with education, where he's like so poetic. He spoke out yep. about everything, um, something that educators can easily relate to. I, and I think as an adult, I appreciate Tupac a lot more than I did as a teen, just because like as an adult, looking back at what he was saying in his lyrics and his mm -hmm. poetry and realizing how intelligent he was, sure. I, I feel like that's something when I was a teenager, I definitely under and underestimated him. Mm -hmm. And now as an adult, I'm like, wow. Yeah. Know? And I, I feel yeah. like even now he's like we hear about Biggie, of course, mm -hmm. but I feel like Tupac is someone who... I, I use Angie as a, a great example because like she's someone who's taken a story and implemented Tupac throughout 
and mm-hmm. he, he continues to show up, <laughs> whether it's through literature, or through movies. I, yeah. I feel like a bit more than, than Biggie Dugs for all those reasons that you just said, mm-hmm. basically. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. You shared a little bit about who you are. Share a little bit about like your childhood. What did that look like for you? Well, I grew up in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and both of my parents are from Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up in a Jamaican household, basically. And I think because my parents, they came to this country with this dream of like making sure that we had a better life and always instilling in us, my sister and I, that education was like number one. Like mm-hmm. that was always something that was a big priority in my life. Like making sure that I had the right grades, making sure that I was staying on top of things, like staying active in school so that I could go to college. Mm-hmm. And that was the, my sister's older than me and she went to college. So once I saw her go to college, I knew for me, like that's that's what I needed to do next. Mm-hmm. And my parents were just very big on just ensuring that I did everything that I needed to do to make sure that I went to college. Of course. Um, and that, and I think that for, that was the, the big foundation of how I was as a child. Like I love school, I love to read. Um, as an elementary age child, like mm-hmm. I was really super passionate about school. And as I got older, I started to, school started being, I guess, high school age where I was just, I started seeing more like how schools are different from one another, mm-hmm. you know? And I didn't notice that. Cause when I was um, younger, I went to a magnet school that was K to eight. So I had been in that one school most of my life. And then when I became a um, teenager, went to high school and I was in a program where we visited other schools, I started seeing like, wow, my mm-hmm. school doesn't have these it's things. Not the same, but yeah. That, you know, it was just like it was mind blowing, and it kind of changed my perception of education. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by seeing some of those differences, and it also started to make me just like want to learn more about education, and then start, you know, doing like after school programs, working with kids, things like that. Yeah. So, would you say it's and it sounds like. Um, a lot of the, the, the people that I talked to on the show, I asked them about their past and how has their past kind of influenced the direction that they've kind of chosen in life, whether that's education or sports or business or law or whatever it is. Would you say that that's kind of the case for you as well? Definitely. I mean, when as an elementary age child, like K to eight, I had a really, really, really positive elementary school experience like because I went to a magnet school again I didn't realize how my school had more resources than other schools neighboring schools but we had like we had home economics we had industrial arts we had music dance computers like and a lot of that at the time wasn't the norm to you know have like sure types of, especially like computer classes mm-hmm. and things like that but I had those since I was in kindergarten wow and so I had a really good foundation of like what good teaching looked like and I think that in my mind started helping me think like hmm like this might be something that I want to do um but I remember high school you know towards the end of like towards maybe like the mid middle part of my high school time I experienced bullying and I was getting bullied and it was it was just it was not a good it was not good and I remember feeling like not necessarily having someone that I could talk to at school about what was happening in that. And I like in my mind, again, this was another reason why I was like, you know what? I need to become a teacher Mm -hmm. because I 
don't want this to happen to anybody else. Like, I don't want to, I want to be that teacher who, you know, the like the teachers I had in elementary school. Mm -hmm. I want to be that teacher that a student can go to. And in my high school, there just, there wasn't really, I didn't feel at the time that there was anybody that I could really talk to mm -hmm. about what was going on. And I remember that like just really motivated me to want to work with children. Mm -hmm. Again, I started working with children when I was in high school, like after school programs, summer camps, things like that. And then when I went into college, I knew I'm going to be a teacher. And I think both of those types of experiences were the, the foundation of it, like having a really good, strong, like K to eight experience. And then high school where I felt like instructionally things were pretty average. Um, but then experiencing that like bullying situation kind of just made me feel like I don't want to see, I don't want to, I don't want that to happen to somebody else, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. if it's going to happen, I want to be able to like be that teacher that can intervene and really shut it down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, it's crazy how I go back to it almost every episode we talk about, like, because it's so personal talk about experiences and how inf experiences influence the path that we take in life. And yeah. it's so crazy how an experience in elementary or middle school or even high school can influence the rest of your life. Like those are things you'll never forget. Like, and it, I think sometimes it's very often you want to take all experiences and find the positive in it. Um, but again, like those are negative experiences. Those are experiences that hurt like the most. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's, something I often think about as well, like how can I be that teacher that I remember, that I want to role model after, that I remember going to um, in the classroom today, because it's so important. It's yes. so, so important. I don't, yeah. it's Going back to um, your like bullying, would, would you say there was like a specific reason why you were bullied? Would you say, do you know what the reason was or was it kind of just out of nowhere? I, I think my school had a culture <laughs> of where we, people would take jokes and things like that too far. Sure, and I, I remember at the time where like people would kind of, we had like a lot of athletes and things like that who would kind of just start like ganging up on people, mm -hmm. saying things to make them feel uncomfortable. And then there was like a crew of girls who also kind of hung around with that same group and mm, carried okay. on the same behaviors. Sure. And it was just one of those things where it was just like, okay, like why, you know, and I also was, quiet you know and mm -hmm. part of that being quiet in a space where everybody's kind of like loud and you know mm -hmm. i was quiet people called me um they labeled me as a white girl mm -hmm. because of the way i talk or my mannerisms things like that mm -hmm. um and i guess all of those things kind of just made me like an easy target mm -hmm. and i think about it's funny because when i talk about it now i'm just like oh i wish I wish I could step back into my shoes and sure. just shut it down. Sure, the way sure. That I know, like, I'm confident enough to, to do right now mm -hmm. as a woman. But back then, like, you know, I was a teenager and mm -hmm. I definitely did not have the voice that I have now where I can, where I speak up for myself and advocate for myself. And mm -hmm. that's probably why I go so hard with making, ensuring that I'm always speaking up and advocating for myself mm -hmm. because of, you know, the, the experience of, like, silencing myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why you're doing that in the classroom. Like you had that experience. And now yeah. you don't want any of your other your kids to, to go through the same thing. And I Definitely. totally, totally can resonate. Like I was an athlete in school and if I could go back, like I was quiet as well. I didn't say a whole lot. And 
I remember the exact same thing being called whitewashed or um, I can't remember the other term they used, but it was because of I got good grades or I wanted to be in class on time. Um, and there is this strange balance for me trying to manage being with my friends from my community um, and then being with friends. Like I was on student council, like I did yearbook. Um, and those things weren't looked at as cool from certain people. Um, yeah. And I remember like very vividly like this area in our school where people would walk by and they'd be scared because it was a place where a lot of the people from my community would hang out. No one else, it was like this territory where no one else was allowed to go, unless you're at that, in that community. And people were terrified, but I can totally resonate with you about just going through those experiences. Um, and yeah, it's hard, I mean, it's really, really hard. It is, and I think, you know, nowadays, Back then, we didn't have, well, I know when I was in high school, we didn't have social media. No. Or, I mean, <laughs> MSN. We had, yeah. we had MSN. <laughs> yeah. But nobody was like, we had like AOL. Yeah. <laughs> so like no one was doing, you know, any of some of the things that are happening today. No. So like today, it's just on a whole nother level, mm -hmm. you know, and that's something I talk with my students about as well. Just that's why I, that's why to me, again, kind of going to why I expose my students to the types of books that I expose them to. Like, I really want them to develop empathy with them. Mm -hmm. Like, I want them to care about other people, you know? Mm -hmm. Not just people who look like them, people who look different, who mm -hmm. have different experiences. Like, I want them to be able to, to care about others. Mm -hmm. And and I want, you know, and I share books with other people as well so that their, their kids can be feeling the same way. Yeah, It's just, we're just not, Everybody needs to feel empathy. They you do. Know? They and do. It's so important. Yeah. It's, it's so it's, important. It's yeah. It's so important because then you unfortunately look at adults and colleagues and you you can almost tell what some of their experience have had has been have been because the way they carry themselves or the comments that they make or it's just and you you want the kids in your classroom to feel different you want yep. them to know that listening you always want to listen regardless of like whether you believe them or not like you have to have an open ear you have to be able to respond and argue with some sort of like dignity and respect because that's the world that we're like living yep. in right Absolutely. so I, I, I totally I agree with you. Um, I could talk to you about this stuff all day. <laughs> all day. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience with um, just being culturally responsive? And I think you've talked about that like throughout some of these, like these first two like questions. If someone was to ask you, what does it mean to be culturally responsive? Like what would you, how would you phrase that? Well, first I feel like it's important to know who your students are. Mm -hmm. And part of that to me is knowing about, you know, of course my students' culture, their background, their experiences, the community that they live in, their family. Like for me, I want to know as much as possible about my students and I also want to find ways to be able to immerse myself in that outside of outside of the school context. So mm -hmm. if that means going to a football game, going to a football game or going to an event, like just really trying to understand um, my students. And for me, when I first started teaching, I started teaching in Baltimore City, um, Maryland, and 
I came from Connecticut, so, and I also knew that I wanted to teach in an urban environment. So I remember going, like my first day of school, and I was, and I went, you know, I had teacher training, everything like that. And I kind of made the assumption that, oh, I'm teaching, you know, I'm African-American, I'm teaching African-American kids, no biggie, like it's gonna be fine. And I didn't realize how, how important it was for me to really understand who my students are, not just the fact that we look similar, but just like who they are as a person, their culture, their background, their community, like, and it hit me in that moment where I was just like, oh, okay, this is, this is different than what, than what I know. So I took it as an experience where I had to, I had to do that learning. Mm -hmm. And to me, when you're a culturally responsive educator, that's one aspect of it. It's mm -hmm. like really getting to know who your students are beyond the classroom, just like who they are, their families, communities, all of that. But then also ensuring that your practices as an educator are um, not being oppressive to that, or just like being being able to being able to ensure that that is a it aligns with that as mm -hmm, well. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you know, if you're like for me, for my students, if I notice that my students are like being very chatty, very talkative, all of that. Instead of just, instead of like flipping out and yelling and saying, telling people to be quiet, I take it as a moment where I'm like, okay, they, they need to socialize. How can I figure out a way for them to socialize? All right, turn and talk to your the person next to you mm -hmm. about what you think about this book. You know, because mm -hmm. a lot of the times where I'm finding that students are talkative, especially like during read-alouds, sure. a good book, because they want to talk. Of course. And I mean, I know when I'm with my friends, I want to talk. Like, we're social. So, mm -hmm. because I know that and I'm aware of that, that's me, me responding to that is providing opportunities for my students to be able to socialize with one another, mm -hmm. whether it's a turn and talk or a collaborative group project or something where they're able to talk to one another. So, mm -hmm. it's like being responsive to those, your students' needs at that level. Mm -hmm. um, Part of that too is I know what my students are interested in. So if I know my boys, you know, the boys I'm teaching right now, they're into like dirt bikes and CJ So Cool, mm -hmm. how to become a YouTube star, whatever. That's what that's what they're into right now. And a lot of the girls in my classroom, some of them are into those things too, but some of them now they're into slime and all these Disney star, whatever. Like I'm gonna what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna respond to that by trying to go to the library. Like I went to the library today and I was looking, it was, took me a lot of time, but looking for books that align with their interests. Mm -hmm. But then again, for me, m making sure that I find books that like reflect who they are. Mm -hmm. That's for, because I know I need my students to be engaged. Like mm -hmm. I need them to really wanna pick up this book and read it. So mm -hmm. you know what? I'm gonna tap into their interests. I'm gonna find somebody on the cover that looks like one of them. I'm gonna mention, oh, this just look like stone so Oh mm -hmm. wow, this book looks really good. Mm -hmm. Somebody should read it. Mm -hmm. And then they're all fighting to read the book. Of course. You know, so just like responding to being responsive to those things that are in your in a part of your classroom culture, mm -hmm. um, a part of the students' culture. Mm -hmm. So and then also I think making sure that like even your classroom environment is reflective, you know, of your students as well. So making sure that if I have quotes on the wall, like making sure that I have thought about like who that person is that is, has written that quote and making sure that, that their beliefs and aligns with what I believe in mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, 
and then like pictures having pictures that are reflective of students like a lot of times we buy this generic teacher posters and things like that well if i'm doing that it's going to be very reflective of my population mm -hmm. because i want my students to feel like this is home like this is our classroom but this is like a second home mm -hmm. um and I, i've even seen it where like high school teachers where again going back to that socializing piece like will ensure that their classroom is set up in a way where students can work collaboratively because they know as high schoolers they or educators, they, they want to talk, mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. like just responding to those needs versus trying to fight against them. Yeah, I think it's so important. Like you nailed it. Like in, the power of like interest and engagement is so like it's, <laughs> it, it works every time. Like every exactly. single time you really grab does. an interest of a student um, or a group, like, yeah, of course they're going to be engaged. And then like the content, but once the content is there, like all the like standards and like mm -hmm. the, the strategies or skills you have to teach, like that's easy. Like that's the, yeah. that's like, that's like icing on the cake because yeah. you don't have to worry. Like it's not never a struggle anymore because they're engaged exactly. and they want to read it. They want to look at it because it's something they're interested in. Um, yeah. I think it's often sometimes as and I remember my first I think of my first few years of teaching as well and I remember just like trying to get it done just trying to finish because I was like a deer in headlights like I didn't have a lot of help in the beginning I wasn't really sure where to find resources um and I was doing a lot of what was given to me um mm -hmm. and as soon as I tapped into this other world of like interests and being culturally responsive and really trying to figure out who my students were it's a game changer yeah. It's such a game changer. It's such a Definitely. game changer. Yeah. Dee, what would you say, um, what do you like really enjoy about education right now? And this can be something specifically about your teaching, something you're seeing online, maybe something that you're reading. Um, what do you really, really enjoy um, within education right now? It could be technology, it could be anything. I think, I mean, it's more about, I just really like right now, the power, and this kind of goes along with education, mm. but like the power of social media, um, more teachers are using like Instagram. Like I love Instagram and I love that the way the education community is utilizing Instagram. I feel like it's a great way for teachers to connect with one another. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I'm, you know, I'm reading this book right now called Demoralize, Why Teachers Leave and How to Get Them to Stay. I mm -hmm. think that's, but one thing about it that it talks about is the fact that teachers at the core of like retaining teachers, because this is based on a woman who did tons of research, and she found that those teachers that felt like re-energized and ready to stay in the profession had a strong community. And part of that professional community wasn't just their, like, their colleagues, because sometimes it might not be your colleagues, but it was just a core group of teachers that they found that helped them really, like, be able to kind of get through the, the struggles of being a teacher mm -hmm. and the challenges. And I, what I like about Instagram is the fact that we're able to build community through social media. Like people are posting things about what they're doing in their classroom. Mm -hmm. People are having meetups. People are having, you know, conferences. Like right now I'm in the process of having a panel in a couple weeks. So we're going to be talking about a topic with just like some in, um, 
some people that I kind of connected with through social media. It's so good. It's so good. So it's like taking those that collaboration offline mm-hmm. and really being able and the potential of it. Like I believe in the potential of it where we can find ways for educators to come together and be able to share these practices that are working for our for our students and then mm-hmm. share things that are not working so yeah. that we can eliminate them. I, you know, yeah. so that's, what, that's what I'm excited about and that's what I feel like is really going to be um, a great move for education. Yeah, I think I've had some of the best, I guess, I, I don't know if I call it professional development online, just through conversation and mm-hmm. reading or writing to someone and then like, I can't get over how many people, like yourself included, like people are so genuinely kind and nice, like, and they're honest with you. Like there are people that I've messaged, I messaged and I'm like, hey, I'm wondering if you can help me with this lesson or this idea. And they're very honest, like, yes, here you go. They'll give you resources or they'll say, I'm sorry right now, I'm like super busy. And like, that's, yeah. what else can you ask for? Like they're actually responding to you and they're actually reading whatever you're writing to them and to be able to just look at a poster look at a tweet or a thread or whatever and actually learn from it is my and it's every it's consistently every single day like teachers are doing this every single day yeah i totally agree with you i totally agree with you the power of social media and the way teachers and educators are using it right now it's just i think there's no place to go but up like i i feel like there's other things that will happen to make it even better. Um, but right now, I, I agree with you. They're in a really, really, a really, really good place. A really, really good place. Totally, yeah. totally. What would you say on the other side of that? What would you say there's, what should educators be more, what do we need to work on within education right now? What is something that you feel we are lacking? I think the thing about education that I feel, I mean, there's a lot of things that I think that need to be worked on. Of course. But I really feel like what one area that we can really do a lot of work on is how are we training, developing our teachers Mm -hmm. to go into classrooms. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there are so many different routes and I'm I'm just still not clear about why there are so many different routes and why haven't we figured what the best route is to best prepare teachers for going into the classroom and you know oftentimes I'm seeing a lot of teachers that are not learning things like how to teach children how to read like we're learning about readers workshop and writers workshop and you know a lot of things like that but like the science of teaching children how to read Mm -hmm. is something that a lot of teachers are not going into the profession with um, even like teaching writing Mm -hmm. which is a struggle for many teachers and as we can see like it's a struggle for a lot of students Um, a lot of a lot of teachers are not learning how to do that so and on top of all the other things like just being a culturally responsive instructor there's like there's so many things that I feel like yeah that we can be teaching teachers Mm -hmm. but what's happening is there are many different types of programs um, and schools, colleges, just kind of not going about things in a similar way or just going about it in a very quick way mm-hmm. where I feel like we're not really preparing our educators in the same way that we're preparing other professionals. You know, people that have to go to school for a certain amount of years have to do certain things in mm-hmm. order to 
in order to go into their profession, mm-hmm. we're not doing that as much in education. And I think that what happens with that is, you know, people are not taking the profession as seriously. And then also, like, I think that stops people from wanting to go into the profession. Agreed. So I just feel like there needs to be a lot more intentionality with how we are preparing teachers and training teachers to enter the classroom. Yeah, I agree. And then on like the big, to piggyback off of that, like what are we doing with educators who are already in the system? Yes. Like oh, how are we, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like what type of, what PD really matters? Like what, mm. are, you actually ask, are you actually asking the teachers or getting the feedback from the teachers for that PD? Or is it just kind of like, here's some PD. This is what we do every year. Um, yeah, then it's like, and then who's leading that PD? Yeah. Like, who's leading that PD? Mm-hmm. Who's following up with that PD? Mm-hmm. Who's ensuring that teachers are actually doing the things the that they learn? Sure. Or like, it's just, it's so. That's, I mean, that's why I said that's a, that's a whole other thing, you know. But it's like, how are we retaining teachers? And how are we supporting teachers? Mm-hmm. Because that's that's the big issue now, and I think a barrier, one of the barriers to why people leave the profession is because they don't feel supported. Um, and you know, when you don't feel supported and you're in a challenging situation, it can really cause a lot of emotional distress, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It's definitely something that we have to work on. It's tricky. Like I, I, I I always, I teach in Singapore, I'm at an international school, it's a private school and it's like, it's a huge school, um, for international school. We have, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like 4,000 kids or something. And I think they do, I feel like they do a pretty good job of asking teachers kind of what they want. Um, There are moments where we feel overwhelmed because there's just so much happening. Um, But they often send out surveys of like feedback of like, tell me what you think, tell me what you think, tell me what you think. So I, and I, and I'd rather you give it to me than not at all. Like at least say here's some PD and for what it's worth, their PD I feel is very, very good. It's always um exactly not exactly what i would say yeah i guess exactly what we're looking for and it's very relevant to like today it's never like okay we're just going to do the same thing over again um but there's often here's a survey tell us what you think yeah Um, Yeah, i mean i always say it's a red the red flag for me is when you are attending pds and no one's asking for feedback like there's no feedback form Uh there's nothing at the end and to me, that's that's really like detrimental. That's mm-hmm. detrimental to our students because mm-hmm. if we are really invested in ensuring that our students have like the best instruction possible, we're gonna give some. We're gonna ask for feedback. After exactly. We exactly. We're, we're, te- we're teachers. Like we're educators. Like that's what we do. Yeah. We ask questions and we want answers. Yeah. And yeah, that's what we ask our kids to do. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The, I could talk to you for like. oh my gosh it's been so much fun uh where can people find you but like do you use i'll let you talk but do you use anything else other than instagram Mm -hmm. i really don't really use too much else other than instagram Um, i'm on facebook a little bit i try to do twitter but it's just it's hard for me to keep up with with all the other things so instagram i have i have a couple instagram accounts so I have, I love books and I cannot lie. Mm-hmm. And I love books and I cannot lie is all about sharing books that feature like diversity, different types of diversity, um, 
uh, children's books and sometimes just books that I'm reading. And then also just sharing like little cute, like literacy based things mm -hmm. to inspire people in regards to reading. Um, so I have that account. I also have the account Black Girls Teach. Mm -hmm. um, Black Girls Teach, where I'm the founder of it, which is really a support network and resource for all educators, but specifically Black women who work in education, um, just providing that, that support system for Black women who work in education. But I've also found that many educators are really really connecting with some of the content that we have on Black Girls Teach mm -hmm. all over the country, all kinds of educators and, and you know, so mm -hmm. I'm just happy that it's making that impact. Um, so that's that Instagram account. I also have, my sister and I have a book subscription. Which is awesome. Wham <laughs> Book Bundle. Mm -hmm. um, so, and that's Wham, W-A-M Book Bundle. And basically, we have, I, I select diverse children's books um, for preschool, early early elementary, and like uh, late elementary age. And basically our customers get two to three books each month. Um, and then they get like a teacher guide or a parent guide to go along with it. And with that too, now I'm curating like tech sets that we can, you know, package for school. So if they want you know, diverse books around a specific theme, mm -hmm. like that's something that we're creating for schools because a lot of schools are finding that their libraries are not reflecting the students. Um, and that's a problem. Of course. So mm -hmm. really just mm -hmm. trying to make sure that people have access to these books and using my skills as an educator and a literacy lover to be able to do that. Wow. Is there anything yeah. else? Is there anything else you're doing? <laughs> Oh my gosh, good for you. You are a busy lady. And I'm gonna say it because I said it in the beginning, but like when you look at these Instagram accounts or you look at Wham Books, like you are like you will break the bank. Like you <laughs> you will go to Amazon, you will click that link and you will want to yeah. buy absolutely every book that you see on there. Um I also love that there's a description about the books. Like, it's not just like, here's a book, you should buy it. It's like, this is the reason why this book is so great, which is yeah, so I awesome. To, yeah, I try to hear books that I would like, that I that I will be reading to my students, that I've read to my students, or that I could recommend to one of my students. Yeah, yeah. that is so good. Dee, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, thank oh, you for having me. You did bad. an amazing job. <laughs> an amazing job. Thank you. Uh, everyone check out Dee's... Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> and it's good, though. It's really, really good. And I think it makes it so much easier when there's so much in common, right? Educators, I find every, all the educators that I've talked to, people who know about education, they just make the conversations very easy. You never get through any of the questions that you want to ask, but you just have these really rich engaging conversations about stuff that you love it's awesome yeah, yeah it's yeah. really really awesome Dee, thank you so much thank no you problem. again uh, we will be in contact um, everyone check out Dee's Instagram you will not be disappointed and I'll see you guys next time